This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Discussing Pretties, the second book in The Ugly's Quartet by Scott Westerfeld. In this book, nothing is as it seems, and no one is as safe as they appear. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin, and welcome to Books That Burn. Alright, let's get into our factions. We have Tally, Zane, Paris, Shay, Fausto, Andrew Simpson-Smith, Croy, David, and Dr. Cable. I like One of that, those names was not like the others. Yeah, I was gonna say, I like that Andrew's name is a full three-name name. I mean, Tally's is Tally Youngblood, but yeah, we like, don't really get last names for most everybody else. And yeah. she spends most of the book being called Tally Wah, as yeah. a nickname thing. Interesting nicknames that involve making your name longer. That's a good point, like. Like, I mean, it is a nickname, it forms that function, but their names are already so short. Yeah. That it's a nickname in an affectionate way, not in a we need to save time way. Um, which is fine. It's just, I don't, I'm not a nickname person. I'm just not. And, and this is also not generally a nickname podcast. So it's fine if we just. Luckily, it's fine. I am ready to talk about our minor character spotlight. All right. For Zane, uh, poor Zane, with the brain damage and headaches and migraines. So what's happening here is that, okay, so spoilers for a reveal 90% of the way through the book. This is a spoiler section. Heads up. This event happens 90% of the way through the book. Uh, so basically, early in the book, Tally and Zane uh, took the two pills of the cure. They each took one, and they, for some reason, assumed that two pills were going to have the exact same effect. And they did not. And Zane took the ones that uh, have nano things that eat the lesions in the brain and tally took the pill that tells the the nano things when to stop so tally technically didn't get the cure and zane they just kept they just kept eating his brain and then once he gets um he he um he's in such pain he ends up going to the hospital and the hospital doesn't tell him and they stop the the things from continuing to eat his brain but then they put a thing in his tooth to make him <laughs> still be in pain and pretend that they are still eating his brain so that they will keep going with the plan to hook up in the smoke i feel like all of those are very relevant to the he spends this entire book most of in it actively pain. being increasingly brain damaged and all of it in pain yeah because even after he wasn't continuing to be damaged, they made him still in pain, uh, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. There's- so that's my <clears throat> summary slash rant slash spiel about this. Yeah, there's... It's... it's So this is, this is kind of a, a funny, I don't know, thing for me to think about. Um, because obviously, like, headaches and, and things are real things... But also, your brain is made of nerves, but as far as I know, it doesn't really have pain nerves in it, which is why you can um, have, like, open brain surgery without, like, so a lot of... What he had is not the same as a concussion. I know. But I had a concussion, and 
like, headaches are a thing. Like, headaches come from somewhere. And even if all the, all the, the only thing that the nano stuff did was mess with the part of your brain that makes you have a headache, that'd be enough because the brain is just interpreting a pain signal and it's being given pain signals because something's doing something to the brain. I mean, even if all he had was the way headaches felt when I just had normal headaches, like after the concussion, even if all he had was that, like that feels awful in a way that I don't know how to describe. But anyone else hearing this who's had a concussion will know the feeling that I mean. Because <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's a very specific weird thing. So like, there's all kinds of ways where just because the brain doesn't have nerves doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. And I have n- this, this it's doesn't just- break suspension of disbelief of anything for me. This okay. is just, yep, that would hurt completely understand okay I even just, if all it's it just did funny. is mess with his pain centers see i don't have i i do not have those experiences uh and and to be fair i have figured out i figured out recently what actually happens to me my brain i think kind of just kind of mutes pain at a certain point so like things hurt but like i've never felt pain that stops me from doing something yeah i as your sibling i can vouch that you have an absurd you have an absurdly high pain tolerance and yeah you saying well it i intellectually know this hurt but it just doesn't feel like it i'm like that fits all of your behavior ever (laughs) uh this makes sense yeah so um no i can completely yeah, so I think I think I as a person just don't really have reference for this headache means that I can't function. Like I don't Nope, I completely do. Uh this to me was believable even before my concussion experience. Yeah. Um and after my concussion experience, I'm like, absolutely. I Like, yeah, of course. I didn't I didn't need that to believe this, but this means I have I have no room for saying Oh, just because it's just the le- it's just the nano things eating his brain, it's not going to hurt. No, that would hurt. Even okay. if all they do yeah. is eat through the part of the brain that processes pain, because they don't really have a direction, that's going to hurt. With that, like di- yeah, them them not having a direction is like oof. I feel like even if they were supposed to go to a particular zone, I mean, it, it, if they literally just go. This very experimental pill designed by someone in a cabin in a woods in the woods had some problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just thinking like like it's a good thing that it didn't grab his motor functions or didn't grab onto his automatic functions. Well, he didn't quit breathing, his heart didn't quit beating, his blood sugar didn't spike and die. Like, those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. I, I asked my question when you said, how do you know it didn't go to his motor functions? And I'm like, oh. seems like maybe it did. That's yes, fair. I agree that it didn't make it down to his brainstem. Uh, but, like, he seemed to have trouble with stuff. I, I remember there being some subtle motor things that were going on. Like, even if it was just he was in so much pain, like, it was, it wouldn't have to be that it messed with motor stuff, but it messed with something. Yeah. Point is, he, like, as a trauma in the book, we have a lot of speculation about exactly how much was going on, because <clears throat> we're going to cover this more in our next topic, but he, because of the way they were being surveilled, he was in constant pain, trying to hide it from Tally and even if he wasn't trying to hide it from her to like be strong or relationship reasons or something like they were being surveilled yeah and he needed to try and not communicate and so even if he would have wanted to vent or tell her or say something he can't he, he can't yeah yeah, I think that's a big part of this trauma too. Is just the he he literally had to suffer in silence, on, almost on pain of death, or at least they thought so. You know, yeah, just because, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. just just because they they don't know, they're trying so hard to be sneaky. Yeah, 
I mean, the the short answer is they're so heavily surveilled that it didn't matter. But yeah, yeah, we will talk about the surveillance later. But in terms (laughs) of needing to conceal the symptoms, um, regardless of the reason that he had to conceal them, he's working hard to remember like he's got he's got memory stuff going on and like memory problems are are really scary like having just enough memory to know that you can't remember something or it's fuzzy or it's weird like i've been through that and it's really terrifying i mean just on a purely on an intellectual level well no 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 not purely on an intellectual level but like, for me, it's not. Like, I just... I don't know. I... Maybe intellectual I, isn't the right word. Um, Like, I, I remember weird facts and trivia, like, forever. But I can't just tell you if I've already seen a movie or not. Like, I just... Huh. Yeah. Nope. Like, my wife is the one who remembers what movies we've actually seen together. Because... Uh, unless... I have a lot more wrapped up in that experience. I'm like, I don't know. If I finished it, I must have liked it. Like, I've done a lot of work to change stuff like that. But I just... Memory stuff is really scary. And just... he He's got that going on, and he can't talk about it, and he's in all this pain. Um, this is a terrible, terrible time that he's having. Um... In terms of how it's getting portrayed in the actual book, and not just a speculating about what might be going on, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways where we see what's happening, and it felt like the author knows what's going on. Tally is observing certain things, and because of that, you're able to infer quite a lot about what might be happening, especially as you get more reveals later in the book. Yeah. Um. But Tally is 16 and doesn't put all the clues together. Doesn't have, yeah. doesn't have the experience, doesn't realize, doesn't be between, like, I don't think even in her ugly version, she would have had the experience to know this stuff. And her still pretty brained trying to stay bubbly version doesn't, still doesn't have the experience and doesn't have the ability to notice all of it it's just a really interesting thing and how they're portraying this event um i really enjoy that this is one of those books one of those series i guess where the characters don't know so much even when it's in the text explicitly Mm -hmm. to the point where it's, it's definitely a series where a second read is a different story yes and I just, yeah. I don't know, I really, I actually really, really like that about it. And you hadn't read these before, right? Just no. Just checking. Right. So I, I'm the one who said we should read these. This was my first dystopian series that I ever read. <laughs> and I, I really like it. I mentally compare most other dystopias to this series. I mean, if this was my first, I would too. This is pretty, pretty good. Yep. That's pretty much all I had for Zane. Um, brain damage really sucks. And the way it's getting portrayed is about as much as we could when he's not the point of view character. On to Tally and Zane for surveillance and loss of privacy. We're focusing a little bit more on Tally, but... As we mentioned in topic one, uh, Zane definitely has some surveillance and loss of privacy things going on. Um, brief, I'm going to briefly talk about Zane and then move on to Tally. Fair enough. For Zane, he has all these physical symptoms like headaches and just all this stuff happening. And he can't talk about it. Because they are being constantly surveilled and pretty, like, pretty early on in the book, like, you said pretty. (laughs) There's a lot of setup. (laughs) That's not even a good joke. (laughs) No, there's a lot of setup to get to the point where they're actively 
being surveilled. But in terms of the main action, it is pretty early on when they get handcuffs that listen to them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they have, instead of just ambiently being surveilled and having stuff that knows where they are all the time because you can't interface with the doors or use an elevator or anything and vehicles won't see you and they'll just hit you if you don't have your um your ring on your interface ring they go from just that level of surveillance where you can like take it off if you want to do something or then they go all the way to they have wrist cuffs that are actively spying on them because they did something they weren't supposed to do um and so the main the main thing with Zane is because is that he's having all these symptoms and he can't communicate how much pain he's in because he's not supposed to be having those symptoms at all because it's that they they took the pills to try and get rid of the lesions on their brain that the city put there so the city doesn't want him to lose the lesions and it's just a whole tangled mess of stuff. And there's like, like layers and games where like you spend most of the book thinking that the city didn't know and they really got away with it. And then here's where I'm shifting my topic to Tally. Yeah. You find out that no, they, actually... were, ne- they were never actually getting away <coughs> with anything. And it, this feels kind of like- It seems to like... be the theme of this book is you never get away with anything. Exactly. Like, I kind of almost want to, like, make, like, one of those galaxy brain memes for this, because, (laughs) like, the first level would be that Tally in book one, like, is an ugly and she's getting away with stuff. And yeah, and then, and then she finds out she's so smart and she's, like, so tricky and she, you know, leaves this window and this way and goes on this path and, oh, the shadows drape exactly right. It's so, it's such a perfect path. It's such it's a good path. It's almost like it was custom built for her. And then the next level is, oh, uglies are supposed to get up to stuff because then they have an idea of maybe who would want to do like a dangerous job or something or like being a firefighter or any of those things. Like, you know, who might want to do something a little bit riskier when they're a pretty. And then... There's realizing that uglies and pretties are supposed to get up to stuff so that they become specials. And even the mechanism of rebellion is controlled. It's such a thorough... It, it's weird. Like, I know we I know we end up con- coming in, con- like, talking about gaslighting a lot, but it's almost, it's almost that. Mm, I don't, I don't know if I would classify this as gaslighting. Because, cultural gaslighting uh indoctrination i'll grant you indoctrination because indoctrination that's absolute, is really the word i'm looking for yeah, yeah that's absolutely what it is because they're saying here's how you ought to behave yeah. and then if someone's like no i want to do this they're like okay cool so if you've decided to behave like this we have a thing for that that's different yeah. gaslighting would be insisting that they're not being surveilled like no one's telling them that they just kind no. of assumed that they'd gotten away with stuff, and then they hadn't. If they had been like, no, nothing's actually tracking you, everything's fine, and then it was very obvious that it was not fine, and the more that they say, the more the thing pushes back. That would be gaslighting. Yeah. I, I, that's why I was saying, like, it's not, but I didn't have a better yep. word yeah. for it. But it's, yeah, indoctrination is, is the is word. The word. Yeah. It's just it's just an, an an odd I do like to define gaslighting every couple episodes cuz we talk about it so much and it's well, so frequently it's relevant. Such a, that's the thing is like in fiction especially especially written fiction, it's one of those things where it's very easy to put on a page. Mhm. Yeah. And so it it's not that we talk about it a lot because we think about it a lot. We talk about it a lot because it's in a lot of books. Yeah. Um and and it pretty heavily influences everything when it's in those books. And so yep. it's very hard to choose a different trauma when 
a lot there's of times also gaslighting yeah. when there's also gaslighting and the gaslighting is the setup for that trauma sometimes or it enables it to happen or it, it it's just very hard to ignore it i would say dr cable comes the closest to gaslighting but it's mostly indoctrination Um, Dr. Cable is more of a selective information situation with occasional lying. Um, Occasional mis- Occasional mishandling of information and lying and all the stuff. (laughs) Mishandling. Yep, it's- So, back to the topic of the surveillance and the loss of privacy. This- this idea that even Rebellion is controlled and channeled and put into a particular place, and the way they can do that is because everyone's a everyone's being watched all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these came out, that felt a little bit more far fetched than it does now in uh, twenty twenty while we're recording this. Um. <laughs> I'm like, ah, them, carrying an interface ring so it knows where they are all the time. Stares at cell phone. Um, yeah. So, th- th- but this isn't, an ab- this isn't about it is automatically bad that something knows where you no. are. That's an no. entirely different topic for an entirely different podcast. But it's more that their world is so small that... And everything is is controlled in a way that our actual world is, like, too messy most of the time for that to happen. But here, the system is designed very specifically. It's very minute, intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like, even you know, stuff like the shadow patterns are right for to sneak out along this way in the Uglies compound. Like, even that stuff. The ruins are close enough that you can maybe walk to and definitely hoverboard to them. Um, The metals in that particular river are closer to the surface than other rivers. The water is shallower along that path. Like, it's just just very fortuitous a lot of times. And And actually... you're, You're listing stuff they didn't even talk about, but they... No, but, and which isn't necessary, doesn't necessarily mean it was crafted that way. But it's super convenient when you view it in that light. Yeah, I, I was more thinking that the, this world is so sculpted that you say the stuff about the river, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably what's going on. That's probably not what's going on. That's probably not what the author thought about. Probably? Well, but I don't know if I, I, don't, know. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know. Tally, so much. Tally going outbound, Tally goes out of the bounds of their minute control, and all of a sudden the rivers aren't as nice. Oh, you're right. Oh. Like, that's a thing. Her board breaks because that river isn't made for her, like... Her board... Well, her board doesn't her, break because of that, but she loses the pieces because that river, the metals are deep, not as yeah. close to the surface, and the and the water's not as 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 shallow. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, they that is a about. thing. That's a thing that she intentionally thinks through the reasons why her board isn't coming back. Like... That it's yeah. more to be clear. Her board broke because she fell out of the. Yeah, no, kind of a lot. <laughs> no, she, her board broke because of gravity mm-hmm. and inertia and impact. But, but if she'd been in the city, gravity wouldn't have mattered. So we're back to the control theme. <laughs> yeah, but but also like I just think about with 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 intention of the author. Mm-hmm. The author specifically has tally highlight thoughts about the rivers not being as nice for hoverboarding, not being as convenient, metals not being as close to the surface, water being deeper. Tally thinks about that both times, one in each book, that we've seen her go out of bounds of this sculpted area. That's like, true. she has active thoughts about this. So as far as like an author, deliberate by the author point of view, like, with as much as Tally is realizing how sculpted it is, I would be shocked if that wasn't something that the author built in as part of that sculpting. Now I've heard your argument and now I agree that makes sense. I would also I would also love to hear the author's response to that just because you're right it's not a detail that the characters like specifically talk about but I'm now curious. 
But there's enough stuff where Tal is like, here's what's going on. I don't know why it's like that. Or <laughs> exactly. I heard that it was like that because the the Rusties were like this. Yeah. I focused more on the ones where it's, hey, the Rusties were like this. Yeah. But there's enough world building here that, yeah, that probably on purpose. It, it could be on purpose as a plot contrivance so that the character struggles more. And it yeah. could be on purposes of world building thing. Either way. Well, I was going to say, most plot contrivances have turned out to be the the uh, the, the specials mm-hmm. contrivances. Actually doing stuff, so, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I also, one quick note before we go on to topic three. As you're talking about it being contrived, it, it made me kind of think about Tally's internal monologue when she's in that... Um, the pre-Rusties camp. Yeah. Because she has this thought of them being in, like, their own little bubble contained by the specials, and then she realizes, wait, so are we. And then she goes on to think about other things, but, like, there is that moment where she kind of goes, you know, we're all in our own bubbles. All run by the same people. (laughs) It's just, it's very, it's very good world building. It's very good, very clean, very... But it's not clean in a sterilized way. It's clean in a very just like self-reflective way. And I don't mean self-reflective as in people thinking about yourself. I mean, as in like spiraling reflective. I'm not sure if that metaphor makes sense to me. It's, I it, well. I hope it made sense to you. <laughs> it, it, it did make sense to me, but I'm the one who thought it. Do you mean a panopticon? I don't know. They're like in a, a pan. F- like infinite mirrors reflecting into each other. Okay. Forever. Yeah. It, that kind of way. You know, the infinite mirror thing. The thing that everyone is familiar with. Yeah. Right. Moving on to food denial behavior from Tally. Um, we're going to put a content warning here for discussions of um self-harm because we consider this type of food denial to be a form of self-harm for some people and just take care of yourselves um so it's it's she doesn't have anorexia nervosa or some other kind of anorexia driven by like the more classic betrayal of like trying to be thinner when she actually wasn't overage. It's not it's not that. It's it's not anorexia in the way that it's in a way that would be about her weight, but she is trying to lose weight. I mean it's weight. specifically about her wrist. <laughs> it's specifically about trying to get a cuff off of her wrist and then weeks or perhaps months, but I think definitely weeks into um being on a starvation diet, skipping meals, and taking calorie purgers, she figures out, oh, maybe I can't get thinner because that's just my wrist bones. Yeah. And then considers breaking her wrist. Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't actually break her wrist, but she's so, she's so desperate understandably so in the books she is so desperate to be able to take the surveillance cuff off of her wrist that it to me it overlaps with it it is it is food denial behavior in general and it borders on being other kinds because here's the thing it's not she's not throwing up but in terms of a mental thing, taking the calorie purgers after eating, or even if she hasn't eaten, that feels like technologically assisted bulimia. But we've we and we in this podcast we'll talk about magical analogs for things. This is a This is a scientific Yeah, this is a which is, This is a hand wavy sci-fi <clears throat> analog for this thing. And I, and if someone um, with actual training 
read these books and said, yep, this is a depiction of anorexia and bulimia, I'd be like, okay, all right, then. I don't have any pushback on that. Um, because my understanding is that there's that there's like a feeling or a reason or, or like a continual, well, if I just lose a little more, then something will be fine. And then it's never fine because that isn't, that's not how that works. And it's never yeah. enough. And so she has this, she has this really specific concrete goal of, I need to be thin enough to slip the cuff off of my wrist. Yeah. But that still does have a very clear, direct analog to slim enough to be this size in a store, slim enough to have this shape, slim enough to fit those pants, like, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, like, that's not even a a stretch. <laughs> yeah. And we know that the author had anorexia and or bulimia in mind when writing the series because they the books keep referring to that disease that the Rusties had. Um, Tally seems to think that way more of them had it than actually would have because of the the differences in the cultural norms around weight between the 90s or 2000s, which would have been the reference point, probably based on when these books were written, and whatever size people are when these books are set, which we don't know. But yeah, it's it's a futuristic tech version, a technology-assisted version of anorexia and bulimia. But I would I would say that for me, the way this is depicted, it's depicted in a way that seems like someone who put in time to understand what's happening, but it's not, like, there isn't a ton of ideation. No. In fact, I would argue there's almost none. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about the plan and it's, <clears throat> oh, the, the handcuff won't slip over my wrist yet. The closest thing to ideation comes when she keeps thinking about maybe she'll need to hurt her wrist by breaking yeah. a bone. But even then, it's not even quite then, the same thing because she moves on to a plan that is much safer as well, soon uh, as one becomes available. Regardless of, of her moving on, she looks in the text, she looks at her arm and notices that she is too thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinks of it as too thin. She yeah. thinks of it as too thin. She doesn't think of it as not thin enough. She thinks of it as, I'm too thin to be healthy and also, it still I'm isn't not enough. thin enough to get out of my prison. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, I'm not thin enough because, like, I'm not worthy or I didn't make it yet or whatever. It's, oh no, how long can I keep this up because I'm unhealthy already? Which is a very different thought process and really kind of breaks that chain of 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 seeing it as a positive. Mm-hmm. It seems very, it feels very deliberate in its placement to me, too, because she looks at herself and goes, I am too thin to be healthy. This is not good. I don't know if I can keep this up long enough to get out of my prison. And also, I might have to break my wrist to get out of this anyway. Like, that's the thought process. So it doesn't even, I mean, other people might have a different take on it, but it doesn't even read like ideation to me at all. Yeah. And just this series, if you're going to deal with, various kinds of self-harm behavior especially by teens but not not societally limited to teens but i'd say more concentrated among teens if you're going to have a book for teens that talks about it having read this as a teen this book made me aware that i wasn't the only person thinking some of the stuff that i was thinking but it didn't make it worse Oh, that makes sense. So it's more like, oh, like, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Yeah. But it, it didn't ramp anything up. Um, And having read stuff that did ramp, that did make it worse. I'm glad that this didn't. And this, you know, if anyone, you know, ha read these 
and, you know, has overlapping behaviors or ideations with topics in these books. Like, we like to know how these were for you because everyone's experience with this is going to be different. Uh, we'll see what we say for this in the wrap up. But I I liked that this series is not afraid to acknowledge that this kind of stuff is an issue for teens and exists. And it's depicted without it being the point of the book. Mm-hmm. Like you you can't you can't pull it out as a theme. No. But the quest of the book isn't overcome your anorexia. Like, it's not. Or spiral into it. It's also not that. Or, right. It's also not a story of just falling into it. Like, it, it really isn't. It's it's not, like, succeed or succumb. It's, it's a separate thing. I don't think I've actually read another series that has this in it where it's not a major theme like that. Oh, yeah? I think this might be the only one. Because you're right. Usually when we get this kind of a theme... It becomes the main idea for a while. But here, it's definitely just a plot point. Yeah. Like, there's a book I've mentioned that I or alluded to <coughs> that doesn't handle this well, that we'll probably talk about at some point. I'm in a good headspace because it doesn't <laughs> handle it well, and I need to make sure I'm okay before we talk about it on the podcast. But um, in in that book, the the person is portrayed as bad because of this. It's gratuitously Oof. depicted and they're treated, they they are doing something that hurts other people because of the situation in the book. And something that just would have been just a problem for them becomes a community problem. And it just oh, gets wow. super bad. And this, this isn't that. And so going to this book, they have a specific goal. It's, uh, I'd say if anyone in this... <coughs> is technologically assisted bulimia i would say it's zane and and we already know that like shay has some self-harm behavior we know it's in there we read these books too uh we're gonna talk about it in book three um but there there's various kinds of self-harm behavior that show up with different characters yeah just not showing like understanding without ideation is such a difficult line. It's and a I, rarity. And I feel like this got it. Like, if you're actively having trouble with food-related ideation and food denial, probably didn't listen to this segment of the podcast because you saw the content warnings. But if you're still listening, you know, take care of yourself. If stuff in the book triggers you, like, stop. It's okay. That's that's just a blanket for any of these books. You can stop. You don't have to finish the book. It's okay. We occasionally uh, will have books on this podcast where one of us didn't finish it because we're reading books about trauma. And that's okay. (laughs) And and as we're reading, actively thinking about the trauma and how it's happening, which... Yeah. That is a whole extra layer on there. Yep. So, to this specific thing, the way the food denial behavior is shown, I... I appreciate, like, like is not the right word, but I appreciate it. I think it's done well. This is a good version of it. And there's like, kind of like a responsibility and an awareness and like a, oh, yeah, like, this is a thing that people had. And it describes, it describes anorexia and bulimia in like a clinical way in a, when in the sections that are like, <clears throat> this is how the Rusties were, both in Uglies and in this book. And it, I don't know, it feels, this series is like a dystopian PSA of when kids are really stressed out and don't have any form of control, they'll do things to control the only thing they control, which is their body. Parts one through four. (laughs) Parts one through four, here's what people do when they have no control over their lives. Yep. Now, these kids have different reasons than you do, but also... And those reasons are the plot but yeah um yeah hey i'm 
Shar. And I'm Kelly. And together we host Drinking and Screaming. We're a new horror discussion podcast based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where each episode we pair a new cocktail with our movie of the week. For instance, I'm pairing this ad with just a shot of tequila. You know, because most ads are horrible. With Drinking and Screaming, you'll find yourself pulled into a new horror film to discuss and a new cocktail to try every week. Every episode is laced with great soundtracks, theme breakdowns, production trivia, Char's bad drinks, and so much more. What? I said clips from the movie. New episodes every week. Join in on the spoops. Drinking and screaming wherever podcasts are found. I give this ad a 5 out of 10. You know, we don't rate the movies. 5 out of 10. (laughs) This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Alex Cintron. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to join Alex in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Thank you. For the wrap up and ratings. For the gratuity rating on the brain damage moderate. Yes. What's there is moderate. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. It's it's not constantly in the book, but when it's there, it's at least moderate. It's at least moderate. The debate yeah. in my head is, is there enough for it to be severe? I guess not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moderate. Yep. Uh, like, I mean, it didn't remind me of other times I've had headaches. Like, it's possible it could do that for someone. I, I was thinking more... If anyone has had a relative and they've watched them go through dementia or they've watched them go through from the outside. Hmm. I'd say moderate, but accurate. So it it could be... T- it's the accurate part that I thought might kick it up. Yeah. I Well, something can be like mild and still very accurate. So I, I, I would just say that... That's true. Okay. All right. Moderate. It's, 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 it's moderate, but if something that is sci-fi dementia is not something you can handle right now. Don't like we say like skip it. Yep, that's Don't read us. Alright. Uh loss of privacy. And surveillance. I I actually think this one was kind of was severe. Okay. Uh I don't I don't think it's severe for people who have not had loss of privacy as an abuse mechanism in their lives. Mm. But I think but if you have, I think yeah. Tally's slow realization kicks it up to severe because mm-hmm. it mirrors very closely that actual feeling of realizing that things you thought that were your own are are not never have been. Yeah, especially when there's multiple kind of stages to the realization. Yes, exactly. So I I think that that one is severe. Okay. All right. For the food denial... Severe. I w- yeah, <laughs> severe. Severe, severe in its depiction, but severe. Yep. No, although although I do, and we'll probably... Uh, no, I'll save that we're for gonna the have, other We're going to have a care rating. That's yeah. what that's for. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. All right. Uh, um, Is the trauma integral? Yes, the brain damage is integral to the plot. Uh, I think certain... What? I, I was moving on. <laughs> Sorry. I did too. Yeah. Brain damage integral to the plot. No, I, I was going on to loss of privacy now. What were you going to say about brain damage? Oh, oh, just that certain small aspects maybe could be interchangeable. Like you could tweak details, but. Yeah, but the, the overarching. Main thing, yeah. Yeah. Integral to the plot. The surveillance is integral to the series, let alone <laughs> the plot of this book. Integral to the world building. Yep. Yeah. Um, the food denial. Interchangeable. Yeah, it didn't have to be this. It, it was this because they had a very particular plan, but they could have had a different plan way yeah, earlier. They could have had a lot of different plans. Yep. Uh, treated with care. I have opinions the, on this Okay. Section. All right. I think that the brain damage... I, I think it was... I'm debating between enough and... Not enough, because... I, I think it was enough. Okay. Because of Tally's reaction to it. I don't I don't think it was done callously, but, no, it, but looking think... at it from the perspective of if you have seen someone else go through uh, dementia or a similar thing, or you, or, you're, or you have memory issues, just like that kind of thing, I don't know, it 
Uh, here's my argument for enough. Okay. We are not the character, or, or our point of view is not the character who is going through That's it. That's a good point. Also, a lot of it happens off screen. Also, Tally, now, this ended up not being a super positive thing, but that's not her fault. Tally's mm-hmm. reaction was not callousness, was not telling him to just deal with it, was not just, oh no, that's the price of freedom. Tally's reaction was medical care and getting him help. That's true. And also, spoilers, so I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think, I don't think it was just blanket treated with care. Uh, I don't I don't think that there was any extra layer added, but I do think it was enough. Okay. Yeah. My, okay, I'm good with saying enough care. I don't think it was just flat out treated with care. I, I think that it was treated with enough care, and I think it was treated with deliberately as much care as the author could kind of build in. So I think it I think it was enough. Okay. And then surveillance. Hmm. I. <laughs> I. Okay, given that the it has a little bit of an edge cuz like the book can't watch you uh unless it's an audiobook or an ebook and then it can I, but no. I think what year was this written again? I know you said it earlier. Uh it's approximately like 2000 uh, late 2000s early 2010s. Yeah. Okay. I I think that in our modern world, this is actually treated with care. Mm-hmm. I think that in if this had been, I think because of who the audience is that existed and does exist in our modern world, this is treated with care. It's in a weird zone because I think it was trying to like kind of hammer in the impact of the surveillance. Yeah, but, but we've this moved level, on from that technologically. <laughs> yeah, but this level, it's like, oh, my phone just does that. Like, the current debate is like, is Facebook just listening to you all the time, even when you didn't tell it to? <laughs> the answer is yes, but also that's a different question than the one that actually needs to be asked. Yes. Which is, does it store that information and is it being, is it accessible by a person? And yeah. Yep. There's a whole layer to that, which, but, but basically, basically, so with regards to the trauma of this, I still actually think it was treated with care. Yeah. Um, and I actually, <clears throat> so I know I, I brought up a different point with it being severe in its, in, in, in the fact that it mirrors a very, real kind of slow realization of abuse that that is pretty common honestly in our modern surveillance age but also i think that the the realization and the depiction of that real realization is as bare bones as you can get yeah it doesn't have a lot of extra emotional weight and feel and reactivity to it mm-hmm. and it's I, just there it's just kind of there and i think that quite literally any emotional horror that you feel from this is self-projected, but I don't think it's because the author didn't treat it with care. I think it's because people do actually have trauma from this in real life. So yeah. I, I think it was just treated with care. It was It's so bare-bones descriptions. It's unreal. It's like single-sentence realizations and you move on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's handled with kid gloves as though it would would explode if you touch it too hard and i i think that it 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 really is just it's it's just treated with care without sacrificing anything which i commend the author for the way they did this because that's hard with the way this topic is this is a severe topic that was treated with tiny little kid gloves enough that it's tre- that i think it's treated with care okay like, yeah um for the food denial I would say <laughs> uh, somewhere somewhere between care and enough. This is a yeah. very specific. <clears throat> well, we we kind I'm of, gonna go ahead and say enough because we kind of talked about this in the topic with mm-hmm. it's not ideation, and there's some specific things that and just yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spoilers, but there's uh, another book that, in my opinion, handled this worse. That I. We're, we're going to have to talk about it because I keep okay, harping but on we this can't, book. But we can't compare this book no. to another book. No, that was the answer to my thought, was just okay. because this other book did it badly doesn't mean that this one <laughs> couldn't also have done it badly, even if it did it better than that other one. So I'm going to say enough care. I I agree because of the things that I said in the topic that I'm not going to repeat now. <laughs> okay. And the 
point of view. Point of view is pretty tally. We're calling her pretty instead of pre uh, instead of post op. <laughs> we called oh, her we called oh, her pre op. We called her pre op tally instead of ugly tally. Are we switching? Yeah. Well, bold How? of you to assume that there aren't more ops. Post first op tally. Yeah, post first op tally. I can I can post one we'll do op. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was pre op tally because I don't like calling her ugly tally. I'm yeah, a, I'm fine with calling her pretty tally. Mm, I don't. I, I have don't, less. Uh, I have fewer qualms about that. I I have more qualms about it if you're avoiding the word ugly and mm. okay well, with the word pretty. Well. <laughs> I, I don't I don't like the ooh, I'll take this half of that dynamic, thanks. It's been time happened and I forgot our This is a call out post for Robin. No, I'm just time kidding. Time happened and I forgot our previous terminology. That's all that's happened here. That's fair. It I am I am currently staring at yeah, it and I'm Robin not. is not. Uh all yep, right, post op tally. Post yep. one op tally. Um okay. So, post P op tally? No, that's nope. not good. Let's not nope. do that one. Post one op tally. Uh, post one op tally is our point of view because she's all we get. Yep, for everything. For everything. Uh, we need to read some more books that let us flip flop characters. I mean, like, we have. We have. Uh, well, I guess we've had more books that flip-flop characters than don't. It's just that... We've recorded several in a row because our recording schedule is... Our recording schedule doesn't necessarily line up with our release schedule for a lot of reasons. Our recording schedule is almost guaranteed to not line up with our release schedule <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think it's... I think it does stem a little... I think my comment does stem a little bit from the fact that most books I read are not single perspective forever most books yeah. i enjoy and reread are not single perspective forever <sighs> aspiring writer tip i couldn't remember what how we worded this okay aspiring writer tip oh my gosh i feel like i'm gonna have to fight not to say the same thing over and over in this series okay i have one okay stop me if it's what we said last time because as we've mentioned if i remember uh so vocabulary is very and this series takes a character in one mental state in book one and then has nominally the same narrator from book two but experientially um and for plot reasons they have altered vocabulary and it makes it feel connected but also like a different experience with them as the narrator. Word choice is so important. I don't remember if this was our tip last time or mm -hmm. if we just talked about it a lot because you were excited for it. You and I talked about it a lot. This couldn't have been the tip because we hadn't had the perspective shift yet, is what I will say without having listened back. Yep. Okay. All right. And if it was... It's just done really well. We've talked about it twice, if that's how this <laughs> happened. Yeah, yeah. the, the vernacular change mm -hmm. while keeping the same character is, is very cool. Yeah. Like, there's a different author I like that also does really, really cool things with vocabulary, but that's mostly, like, differentiating characters and subtly informing character backstory with word choice. This is showing the change in mental state of the same character by the words that they pick and speech patterns a little bit at least but definitely word choice well and i think word choice is also that they have a they've been handed new vocabulary that is expected of them but it is narratively definitely a very powerful tool yep and in terms of like the specific writing tip the the words that your characters reach for especially repeatedly inform the way that they think and the way that the reader experiences the characters everything from do they swear or not and if they do how do they swear um what nicknames do they use for people around them like this one has a lot more nicknames than it does swearing uh, but but it has a lot more words that are supposed to well the first one has more words that are supposed to be degrading this one has more words that are supposed to be self-descriptive. Yeah. 
and fun and bubbly. Yeah, bubbly. I was trying not to say bubbly, and then it happened. No, I wanted to say bubbly. Yep. I want to pull this, right. pull this vocab directly into our show. What's your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Hmm. Is there anything? Hmm. Huh. This one's tricky, because there's stuff that <clears throat> doesn't seem traumatic for the characters, but we're sitting there like, no, you were <laughs> so different. You cared about different things. You were such a different person. Uh, so it makes it an interesting experience to describe, for me at least. Yeah. My? I No oh. joke, I have spent time this week trying to think of this thing already. Well, if you don't have one, that's okay. That can happen every once in a while. I... Alright, we don't know the age range of our audience. Hello, anyone who's listening. I would like... I hope our age range is variable. Yeah, I hope it's variable. Personally. Um, anyone who's listening, reading the transcript that'll eventually exist, or you should have. I think everything I like about this book is trauma-associated. My problem. favorite thing rereading this as an adult... Uh, because I was a naive young person uh, in a lot of ways. And one of those very specific ways was I didn't understand what garden was for <laughs> at all. I was like, oh, you want to be around plants? Yeah. You'd yeah, spend a lot of time same. in the garden next to plants, right? Right. Cool. Plants. No, it's a, it's a, at, at minimum, it's a makeout garden. And it's probably, uh, more than a makeout garden. And that's why it was a good place to leave their sensor rings. And that's all I want to say, because I don't want to go into spoilers. Um, <coughs> but yeah, uh, the garden, it is not just because plants are cool, as great as that would be. So, that's my favorite non traumatic thing about the book, is that getting, getting to real. That you, that you as a child did not understand. Did not, did not understand. I actually think my... Didn't even think of it. Didn't occur to me until this reread. I was like, oh, that's what that's for. Oh my gosh. All right. I, I don't think this is what I said last time. And I don't think this counts as trauma. Okay. I actually really like the descriptions of the hawk, like, surgery. What? For the, for the, the specials. Oh, okay. I was like, what hawk? <laughs> I just, I like... Animorph's brain struck again. I'm like, this, nope, not Tobias. <laughs> what are you? Well, I mean, yeah, this, no. Um, descriptions of Tim, too, are very cool. Uh, no, I just, I, I don't know. I, it's one of, okay, every once in a while, a book has a description. They were described more as wolves. Huh? They were described more as being wolf-like? Well, that depends on who, who described them. It, it went back and forth. Um, okay, I mostly noticed the wolf ones. I think... But see, uh, people doing described as wolfish or wolf-like, I, I see in a lot of books. But mm -hmm. the vulture or the hawk look mm -hmm. is not a, a thing that I, I hear a lot or read a lot. And I, I, I don't know. I just... Every once in a while, a book has a description of something that functionally we will never see in the real world for a lot of reasons. Um, the reason in this book being that it is genetic surgery and fake. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I would like to see what that would look like. Yeah. Um, because there's people that are described as wolfish, but, but even like those people, if you see them in the real world, it's not necessarily a structural thing. It's more of an attitude or a behavioral mm -hmm. thing. And and maybe it's maybe it's partly a jaw and cheekbone structure, but it's not to the degree that we know After that this, these people have had cosmetic surgery. I don't know. After we record this, I'll show you the old versions of the covers for these books. Oh, okay, cool. So. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that would be something where, I, I don't know, I would love to see like supernatural monster style here is what this person looks like and how they move and how it translates. I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's just a very, very cool image in my head, which I know I'm not supposed to like that image because they are the people that we are we are set up by the book to dislike, but I, I think it, it sounds cool. Yeah. And thank you for joining us. That's it for the wrap-up. We'll catch you in a fortnight. Bye, guys.
music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstheburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.